0: Welcome to the Auto Action Rev
1: Limiter. Your host, Andrew Clark, is joined by heavy hitters Paul Gover and Bruce Williams. Time to get down and dirty. It comes down to whether or not they're prepared to play the same game as him. You jump in the pool with the shark. Oh, I didn't know he was going to bite my foot off.
2: Hello and welcome back to the Auto Action Rev Limiter. It's been a big weekend. We've had Montreal for the Formula 1 and Darwin for the supercars. Paul Govers back from uh, Le Mans and uh, Bruce isn't quite back from Darwin. So
1: anyway, how are you Bruce? I'm a bit of a trek I hear? Well, thank you. I'm uh, I'm speaking to you from beautiful downtown Charleville in uh, deep southwestern Queensland. It's a long story.
0: That'll teach you to go on a private airplane <laughs> with your rich buddies.
2: Not rich enough because the plane
1: wasn't quite solid. <laughs> Excuse me. We might talk about that in the moment, but but I need to get something um, off my chest, or I need to not. It's not so much off my chest. It's it's off Barry from the Blue Mountains chest, who <clears throat> wrote me a fairly nasty email a few days ago. He said to me, he said, you know, you keep referring to the viewers. He said I've been looking for weeks and weeks, <laughs> and, weeks and weeks on. YouTube, where do I find this? the YouTube video of your, you guys doing your program? <laughs> and uh, <clears throat> unfortunately for Barry from the Blue Mountains, who will uh, probably be listening uh, to the podcast in the morning. Hello, Barry.
0: Um, Hello, Barry. G'day,
1: Barry. Mate, I'm actually taking a piss. It's a bit of an old-fashioned saying, so just so that you people out there aren't confused, no, you can't get it on the pod, on YouTube thingy, what do you call it? Not yet not yet in order to bring everything back good evening listeners uh from beautiful downtown charleville and i want to say i have never been to a more immaculate and spotless place as charleville i'm serious the pub had the cleanest dun- cleanest dunnies i've ever been into because in no one uses them the bar was immaculate <laughs> the streets look brand new even the white lines in the parking bays look like they were just laid this morning. The airport was beautiful. So if you want to come to a place and you want to feel hygienic and clean, admittedly there's nobody here, but it is a magnificently spotless place. We'll talk about my journey to get here in a minute, but let's get back to the motor race.
2: Well, we've got to get back to PG, who's... Um, I think his planes were okay on the way home, but we um,
0: had a bit of a journey too. Yes, I, uh, I had... Quite a long journey, and uh, I've got a small token that I brought back with me. You can't see it on the uh, on the. Uh, Explain it, Paul.
1: No, oh, he's got a he's got a Ferrari hat.
0: Signed by Giovinazzi. Uh, uh, last time I looked, he was he was mediocre in Formula One, but now he's a Le Mans winner. That's
1: the way it works. And uh, how was the flight home uh, when you're turning left at the uh, front door? Anyway. Oh, it must have been hard to cook. No,
0: no, no, you don't turn left, turn right, same as everybody else. Oh,
1: and then you go up the stairs, do you? Uh, no, uh,
0: on, on Emirates, actually, they have a upper and lower boarding deck. Oh, is decks. that right? It's not left or right, it's up or down.
1: Yeah, yeah well, I, I, I didn't do any of that stuff. I just got straight in and sat down and I had the beautiful view out the windscreen. And I've got to say, Australia is a pretty amazing place. Particularly when you're flying from one side of it to the other, and you didn't really think you were going to do that. But we've instead of flying from the north to the south, we've flown south and then east, <laughs> and we're still not finished. But it's a lovely, lovely place. And we,
0: you have you have much better company in your aircraft than I, I had.
1: Terrific company, terrific company, and uh, Skafe knows the the level of the company that I've enjoyed. And um, but when the big light comes on the dashboard, and you're halfway across the middle of nowhere, and the nearest airport or dirt landing strip, and as my pilot says, I don't land on gravel. (laughs) So we had to do a U-turn and go back to um, Tennant Creek. The only thing that I enjoyed about Tennant Creek was observing all the race transporters that had obviously left the night before roll into town and find the nearest motel and uh, hook up for a (laughs) session on the beach. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Is
0: this this a travel show this week, is it? I
1: think it is. It is. Mate, we went to Darwin. I warned everybody, Darwin's an adventure. And when I said there's beers and there's humidity, trust
2: me. So let's have a quick chat about a couple of things before we get into uh, talking about Darwin itself. So supercars, we're hearing 15 rounds next year. Was there much buzz around that
1: up there, Brucey? There's definitely, Andrew and listeners, I can confirm there will be more than the current calendar. There's no arguments about that. No oh, they read, my,
0: they read my column then, calling for more races. Look at the power of auto action right there.
1: <laughs> Look, it'll be good. It'll be good when we, we, we get up to 14 or 15 or 16 races because the poor old members of the aligned Media, they'll, they'll be able to calm down. They'll be able to, you know, disconnect themselves from being whipped up into a frenzy as they were over the weekend and calling for more rounds. But as we know, Andrew, it's not that simple. There's things to be done. There's deals to be done. And uh, New Zealand will be on, so that's obviously another one. That's that's a done deal. Singapore will happen. And, of course, the other thing, Andrew, 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 we, we, we teased the listeners last week. I don't say the viewers because Barry from the Blue Mountains got bent out of shape over the viewers line. Let me tell you our feature story from last year's oh, year. Yes. How did that go down up there? All right, mate, I'm telling you, my, I've got a couple of scars on the ears because there was a bit of crossfire, <laughs> bit of crossfire between the viewers between the listeners and the readers and the supercar paddock who thought the uh, Le Mans, uh, taking a supercar to Le Mans was a good idea and possibly true, as opposed to those who thought it was a shocking idea and total bullshit. Funnily enough, uh, we digress again. I'm sorry, Andrew, if I'm waffling, but it's interesting. Well, the moment. first thing on Thursday morning, I got a phone call from uh, our mate Pete Adderton who spilled his guts about his plans. It's a simple plan if the if the bosses won't let me race in australia i'll take my bloody camara and i'll go and race at le mans which seems like an excellent idea and i'm going to tell you something andrew that even you don't know and that is that in the few days since that uh, the exclusive auto action story which i note again that the aligned media pretended didn't happen much <laughs> to their regret the uh, peters had two team owners ring him offering him support and telling him that they would love to do the deal with him. So even though there's some people out there who think it's a fantasy, there's a few other people that want to make it happen. Well, it's
2: interesting to see some of the social media buzz with, with people saying, "Oh, supercars will never let it happen."
1: Supercars have said they will let it happen. They obviously didn't. They didn't read the magazine because we had quotes from Shane Howard confirming that they'd be happy for him to do it, and wouldn't happen. Wouldn't stop them. Wouldn't stop him. And in fact, thought it was a great idea, but it was a little bit too early for them. And as, I, as we found out recently, they really would like to do something like that. Stay tuned.
0: And, and I can tell you, as a, as a trackside observer, the most popular car at Le Mans this year, by a factor of about 10 billion, was the NASCAR. Yeah, that was Everybody pretty- loved it. Oh, mate. mate, every time it went out, there were people, they were 10 deep, they were cheering, they were carrying on. What a fantastic... And you can hear it. It's the loudest thing I've heard there since that... I night.
1: reckon I heard it from Melbourne.
0: <laughs> well, the only thing I've ever heard that was louder was that Mazda 787. And uh, and people hated that because it wasn't a nice noise. But, <laughs> gee, they loved the thing. Yes.
1: Paulie, that's a lovely segue. Sorry, Andrew, I'm taking over tonight. Um, yeah, well, I was a bit you know. flat last week and I felt i need to lift.
2: You need to pick up your game, didn't
1: you? So, Paul, how was Lamont? Mans?
0: Well, Le Mans, look, Le Mans is amazing. It's always it's always amazing. Um, what was more amazing this year is that Toyota... <laughs> no surprise, though. Toyota got beat. Yay! Because they, they've been playing with themselves for the last five years and a whole lot of other people turned up. But what was amazing about it is the joint was packed. And when I say packed, you know what it's like at Bathurst uh, on Sunday morning? It was like that for the three days I was there. It was fantastic. It's just... It's one of those events you really need to go to. Even if you're going to Chicago to watch NASCAR, at some point in your life, you really need to get along to Le Mans.
2: It's certainly on my to-do list, just in case PG needed to know. There was actually 325,000 people there on race day.
0: And not only that, there were 325,000 people there each day because it was a sellout each day. So unlike supercars who claim a crowd of 60,000, but it's actually 20... Twenty and twenty. If you counted the proper crowd, if you did it that way at Le Mans, would be over a million people.
1: There you go. It was a nice crowd. It was a lovely crowd, and uh, maybe Toyota didn't win because Neil Bates or one of the Bates family wasn't driving the car. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's cruel. Cool.
0: That's cruel and heartless.
1: <laughs> every every other Toyota in the around the world seems to be driven by them, so maybe that's what their problem was.
2: All right. So let's bring it back to supercars for a second because um, that's that's what we were talking about. And there's a bit of talk about the um, the Winton round of the ARG and uh, the crowd that turned up there. And there's a bit of a push again to say that Winton should become round number 15 next year. Any any thoughts, observations?
1: You know, There's plenty of tracks that don't get uh, rounds of the um, the championship and I'm sure there's plenty of people that like to get it up. But, you know, speculation about calendars, it's ifs, buts and maybes and really who cares? There's stuff that's actually happening rather than stuff that hasn't happened yet.
2: Something that did happen, Bruce, was the Indigenous
1: round, and you were up there for it, so uh, how did it go? What did you think? Andrew, as usual, the Darwin Ram was spectacular. The crowds were amazing. The people embraced it. The city was alive. The pubs were overflowing. There were people with smiles on their faces. The, the, the pit areas were bulging. There was support acts. There was all sorts of stuff, and I really liked the fact that all the teams embraced it this year. The the artwork, I mean, DJR's liveries were amazing. Um, you know, uh, the uh, 888 cars looked fantastic. And, you know, it, it really is quite special that all the teams embraced it. And there's a lot of meaning behind all that stuff. And, and, and everybody took it seriously. You know, Tickford really lifted this year. They went from someone who probably, probably didn't try hard enough, is what i'd like to say in the past i think they probably got a few little uh, crayons out and squiggled a few lines on the on the cars but by god this year they really took it uh, they really did a good job um the were spectacular and then um you know saturday smoking ceremony was something special oh, oh, and everybody's let
0: that one go through the keeper
1: <laughs> too, too much
0: no <laughs> spot on
1: sorry everybody sorry sorry viewers Andrew's going to be quiet. I'm not sure because he, if, he, if he's fallen off his chair and knocked himself over and pulled his lead out or what. But, oh, he's uh, back.
2: But it's time we wrap that up and uh, we'll come back and have a chat about the round itself in a couple of minutes. So uh, stay tuned.
3: Each week, find out what the men behind the V8 news know, and what the drivers and teams are going to do next. It's interviews and opinions on Inside Supercars. My predecessor, Roland Dane, did a very, very good job. We're no longer shareholders of the build-up business. Personally, I think a 500 in the build-up to the 1,000 is is a good thing. Tune in for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.
2: All right, welcome back to the Auto Action Rev Limited. We're, uh, we've we had a bit of a ramble and a bit of a bit of a waffle at the moment because Bruce has been in the pub. <laughs> but uh, we can do a couple of other things now. We actually want to talk about the supercars round in Darwin because it gave us something different but also something the same. So we had uh, two new round winners. The year. What did it give us that was
0: different? Hang on, I'm missing the bit that was different. Mark Winterbottom and Jack LeBrock winning. How many
1: Mustangs won a race? Paul, Paul, Paul. You're jumping the gun, mate. I think what Andrew's trying to suggest is that some teams are different. I think you're caught up in this whole parody argument. There's some people out there that just need to get their act together. Now, what a beautiful weekend we saw. Charlie and his team, Team 18, win their first race as a standalone team. It was very emotional. Even the supercar management were excited.
0: I noticed that. Barclay was in there to congratulate him, which was fantastic after the race.
1: Barclay was there. Everybody was there. There was genuine enthusiasm up and down the pit lane for the fact that Charlie won. And then on on, uh, Sunday morning, programs uh, resumed to their normal channels and uh, one of the blue cars with the two bulls headbutting each other uh, against the moon won. Then, of course, we had Matty Stone and Jack LeBrock. And not only did he win the race, he got pole position. And I spoke to Charlie, I spoke to Matty Stone and I spoke to Jack LeBrock. And I've got to tell you, it was really, really good. But it's a shame because there's no privateers running Mustangs. So maybe if there'd been privateer teams running Mustangs, they might have done a better job by now. It's only really high-level teams. Except for cool drivers, single-car team, they're battling, obviously, because they don't share the data everybody else. But, gee, Mustang teams, whoo.
0: until you look at the facts, and the facts say that the parity thing was triggered on the weekend because of the differential between the two cars done during the races of the analysis of lap times
1: can i ask a question yeah would the results have changed if cam's car hadn't burnt itself to the ground on saturday no because the
2: outlier and when they do those studies the fastest and the slowest ones are removed from the discussion
1: which is correctly how stats should be yeah. done.
2: So, so what Cam did is irrelevant you know, in terms of his speed is irrelevant to the discussion. Um, so what they actually look at with the, with the triggers is that they're talking about the, you know, the belly of the field. So the mid-pack mid, mid pack cars, you know, so not the first, not the last, but the ones in the middle. So what have we got, 11 Mustangs? So they take the nine in the middle and they take the nine um, you know, from second to 10th um, to in the Camaros and then they compare them. That's how it's done. Yeah. Listeners, viewers. But yes, the, the trigger was done. I believe the trigger's been done a, a couple of times this year from what I've heard as well. But uh, the Ford guys are coming out and they're talking about it quite openly, the trigger, the trigger, the trigger. So um, what's, your, what's your take, PG? Because Bruce thinks there's no problem.
0: There's clearly a problem because they, they can... Call it... There is a problem. Yes, there is a problem. Now, what the problem is, I have no idea. But any time you get a championship this one-sided, it, it's normally called Max Verstappen in Formula One. He's got the best hammer, although Sergio Perez is finding new ways not to use it (laughs) properly. I don't know what the answer is.
1: Did either of you guys read John Crennan's uh, piece in auto action last issue?
0: Of course I read it, but that's got nothing to do with what happened on the track on the weekend. Because you
1: will have noticed that the results are exactly the same as they were last year, for the first 12 races.
2: Yeah, but John Crennan had a huge advantage with his car in the early thousands, and he made the same argument. So I kind of discard that a little bit.
1: He's not talking about... He doesn't run a team anymore. No, he ran a team in the early 2000s. The 2022 results and the 2023 results. Oh, it's very easy. And heaven forbid... The the 2023
2: results tell you that 84% of all the podiums this year have gone to Chevrolet teams. So whether one team happens to pick up a thing and does okay, 84% of podiums are Chevrolet. That's a problem.
1: Uh, Fair enough. I don't know what to say. Mm. I only watch the racing. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, Okay, question... The the two qualifying sessions on the Sunday, why were why was they so different? Were they doing because they had a tire selection, they had to choose which qualifying session they had to do good in? They saved their tires up so some of the teams keep their tire bank so they have one cracking race over the weekend and that's how it works. Okay. One of the one of the big performance over the weekend was was uh BJR and, and Heimgard. Andre was pretty solid all weekend. He's really impressive, isn't he, Bruce? He's only going to get a sniff. I've been waiting for them. I, I, I thought that they would be capable of doing something really well at, at some stage soon. So your your theory, and this is what I get pissed off about, is that everybody that says, oh, it's an advantage to uh, the, the, the Chevrolet teams, basically says that the guys that are running Chevys now, the privateer teams, are doing an average job because they've got an advantage. Well, I don't think so. Look,
0: to win in this category, I don't care who it is, you have to be doing a good job, Bruce. Yeah, that's the
1: point I make. There's, there's a white
0: car with red stripes. It's not going to win a race while well. my bottom's got a hole in it. But just the, the straight numbers tell you something's wrong. And and Andrew's the man with all that because he's much better at numbers and, and all of that stuff, and I'd do good joining mm. up writing. Well, I,
2: I gave <laughs> 80% of pole positions are Chevrolet, 93% of the wins, which would be 100% if... Um, Red Bull hadn't been disqualified in the first race and 84% of podiums to Chevrolet. So whether there is a problem or not, um, I'll guarantee you now, the fans believe there is and the fans will be turning off their TV sets and that is what is going to matter in the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and at the, one of the team I spoke to one of the team uh, bosses on the weekend who said to me, we are motor racing and we are an entertainment category and it's not entertaining if half the fans are not happy.
2: Yep, and they're very unhappy. All right, so let's quickly go. So the first race, I thought that was a cracking race that when Van Gisbergen was trying to holding them up a little bit, trying to get a bit of space and all those other things, the battle that went on behind him was staggering. All the biffing and
0: the barging and the, you know, there was a terrific little race. Um, thoughts, guys? Don't you love it when there's somebody good who's out of place particularly when it's Shane because Shane is better than anybody else at making people don't do what they don't want to do but but the other thing is how many blokes are queued up behind Shane to give him a whack when there's <laughs> half a chance too he's a bit like a cat with a mouse isn't he
1: there was an awful lot of damage done in the tenth line
2: yeah, I think, um, they were talking during the telecast of Courtney's car, and the the big dint in the back of Courtney's car came in pit lane, not actually out on the track. So really? yeah, there were lot, lots of different diff barges. They as they all filed in under that safety car, the Cam Waters safety car for his smoking ceremony, of course. Um, but yeah, heaps of damage done, and the the tyre that rolled across pit lane, all that sort of stuff. So yeah. Anything else we want to talk about from that race? I mean, Mark Winterbottom's win clearly, clearly a good good win for the sport, I think.
0: Yeah, I I think so. And and for Bruce and me who are not young blokes anymore, it's good to see an older bloke getting out there. But did he have the eyes on when they were on the in on the in car with him? There was no way. He was like he was like that feral dog with a bone. I've got this bone, you're not having it, go away, I'm gonna bite you if I have to. I thought it I thought it was fantastic. And Charlie has tipped so much money and had so many Ups and downs and ups and downs, mostly downs you've got to say for him to actually finally get a win with his own team was fantastic. Yeah. what was the
1: mood like in there, Bruce in the team eighteen so yeah, so the fact that frosty was one of the oldest guys in the field was fighting against one of the youngest guys in the field was a was uh was very entertaining and uh, as I said earlier, everybody in the pit lane was pretty happy to see Charlie Charlie was emotional we had a long had a long chat to him after the race and uh <laughs> Shouldn't say it because I don't normally gamble, but uh, in all <laughs> honesty, I won some money because I figured that uh, that Frosty was going to do a good job. They had the car organised, and uh, you know some really good people in the team. Richard Holloway. We had a chat on the grid. Anyway, they did a good job, and it was really it was really good. And there was no way known, like you said, PG. He was like a dog with a bone. He was not going to give that one up. They executed a really good pit stop, and uh, yeah, good on him. And Sunday, I mean, um, obviously, Brock Feeney, you know, um, Van
2: Gisbergen type run for a late race, too, pretty much what we expected. But then, you know, Jack LeBrock, I mean, he didn't put a foot wrong in the whole race, did he? I mean, he's gone for, a you know, no hair like Van Gisbergen and a beard. He's kind of driving like him a little bit, I thought. And so, as I said, Team 18 was one of the great stories, but also Matt Stone racing and Jack LeBrock. So uh, that was a terrific one. What, what, was, what was it like
1: up there for those guys, Bruce? Same thing. It was an exciting. Um... You know, Matty Stone joined the championship with a single car and then grew it and uh, ran a sort of an oddball thing where he had a couple of different drivers drive. The, one of the Kosteckis and St. Goddard sort of shared the drive a few years ago. And then, um, you know, the start of the Gen 3 uh, 18 months ago, two years ago, we got Jack LeBrock. And, you know, a lot of not a lot of fans for Jack, which is a bit of a shame because he's an interesting sort of a guy. He did very well back in super two and all that sort of stuff but he started with a clean sheet of paper this year with um from the point of view gen three he wasn't driving other people's old worn out pieces of crap um he had his own ideas about how things should work and um you know it was a bit of that stone brothers stuff you know we talk about you know his dad and his uncle and how far back they go back in motorsport days they go back to the bruce mclaren days so there's this incredible heritage with the, the stone family and um, this year they uh, signed young Cam Hill up, who Crow drove with them last year. Cam's a terrific little charger. He you know, 86 um, nearly won the 86 series and then did well in Carrera Cup and he's been in um, Super 2. And um, they signed him up and they uh, obviously got Jack. And uh, as I said to him the other day, I, I think him, his, uh, his uh, revamp of his appearance, he's gone full arsehole <laughs> now. And uh, I think it paid off for him. He's got that, you know, that nasty American NASCAR driver look. And as I said to him on uh, Sunday afternoon, it uh, I think it's working <laughs> for him. But again, another guy, driver under a bit of pressure. Um, a team that's never won a race before. A standalone team. And um, there they are. Both have delivered. And you know, I, I spoke to Jack after the race. And I spoke to Maddie, and there'll be a story in the mag. And, um, yeah relief for jack and a massive achievement for a very small team in in matt stone and again you know gen three has um has delivered and while we all get bent out of shape about the mustangs and the you know not performing those guys still had to beat the best teams on the grid those teams if you say that Camaros is the thing to have they still beat all the other camaros oh, the absolutely team.
2: You can't take anything away from the performance of, of Matt Stone and Team 18 over the weekend because, as you say, like Red Bull and Erebus yep. are pretty serious teams.
1: It's LeBrock's second win, correct?
2: Yeah. So yes, correct, yeah. So if we talk about Jack LeBrock, I mean, a couple of years ago at Tickford, he, he looked like he was rising and coming somewhere and then he kind of fell away, um, but he seems quite happy at Matt Stone Racing. It seems like it's bringing his, um, his racing back to him.
1: Well, I think it's, it's a simpler operation. It's very much a family orientated operation and they had a chance to get rid of him if they wanted to. And they kept him on board. And I think Jack's a much calmer person. He's, he feels happier. He's, I think he's been married recently and he's got a little, little, little child and, um, yeah, good on him. He looks, you know, he looks like a, a grown up, and, uh, maybe that's the environment that he needs to be in. Not everybody works with everybody else and, uh. And sometimes it's just a, it's just the way people gel together and fit, and um, you know that's as it. That's the great thing about this new category. Um, it gives the ability for privateer teams like Charlie's Team 18 and Matt Stone to um, to have fresh cars and and go out there and race. They're not trying to find another 10 horsepower because they don't need to. So Erebus had their worst weekend
2: for the year. I thought. I mean, Brody Kostecki had that 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 dint that broke the wheel, um, and you know they dropped a few points. Um, Brock Feeney, Brock Feeney is coming at them hard, I think. And uh, you know, PG, um, is Brock Feeney
0: going to win it? Yeah, but hang on a minute. The bloke, the bloke who's in second place is his teammate. Yeah, but the gap's smaller now. Don't forget yeah. that, right? So they, so they, so Brody might have had a bad weekend, but Will was still strong, and they're still one and two in the championship. Yeah, okay. Um, uh you know, Feeney is coming strong. What's he calling himself? It's Mr. Sunday? Sunday. Yeah. Didn't didn't uh, Russell in Formula One used to call himself Mr. Yep. Saturday? Um, I mean, good good luck to him. But, I mean, if you average out their performances, they are still by far the most improved team this year. And everybody's going to have those problems. I mean, look at the problems that Van Gisbergen's had this year. And he's only 110 points off the lead. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, quite staggering, I thought. Um, yeah, so
2: I, I thought even though even that um, then though, no, but Erebus like they weren't at the pointy end of the grid, they were down a little bit. It's and we know everybody's gonna have a rougher kind of weekend, and I reckon if that's your rough
0: weekend for the year, that's not a bad run, is it? I'd settle for one of those sort of runs any time. Yeah, absolutely. So go.
1: to me with Erebus it's how well they bounce back to show that which shows their two strength this year, would you say?
0: Yeah, we need what what we we'll know the answer when they get to Townsville. Yeah. Absolutely. It's either just a blip and they'll keep going the way they've been going, or they've or something's happened. And you know, but but I'd bet money on them coming back stronger than they have been at town City. Good. Now the
2: um, other bad news story for the weekend was Cam Waters. Clearly, um, Bruce, you stuck your nose under the
1: under the under the hood. Um, what was going on there when it caught fire? Well, um, it was fun. To, it was a fuel fire. It was nothing to do with the fires that happened at. Uh, the agp completely separate situation a uh, fuel line fitting that fits onto the uh, fuel rail of the uh, engine uh came loose um bearing in mind these engines have done three and a half thousand kilometers and um yeah it was a dash six fuel line pressure uh, line feeds the main fuel rail and uh yeah it came loose it shouldn't have come loose don't know why someone didn't run a spanner over it what's a dash six it's just the size it's a so a, a brake line's a dash 3, which is like a quarter of an inch, and a, ah, okay. right. a, a dash 6 is like a, a th- commonly used on fuel lines, and that's sort of a half inch or a bit bigger, 3.8. And then you've got dash 8, dash 10, dash 12. These are aeronautical fittings that were developed during the Second World War, and they're commonly used called, uh, you know, uh, aeroquit fittings, but they're AN fittings. But anyway, it came loose. There's a bit of argy-bargy. Somebody blamed uh, the engine builders. The engine builders said, "Well, you know, at the end of the day, it's a normal maintenance issue. It's one of those unfortunate things that somebody trying to blame somebody else, somebody not wanting to accept responsibility, and that's how it is. It's hard, hard yards." Is it a simple fix? Is it that simple? It's just replacing a part, or what's the fix? Doing it up. Simple fix. You just got to pick up a spanner and put about 22 foot-pounds <laughs> of torque on it and do the spanner up.
2: So getting the car ready to race on Sunday, I thought they'd be gone for the weekend. I mean, obviously we've now got spare parts enough to do it. Um,
1: monumental effort I thought to get it back out there. It must be really hard to have the, you know to get all the troops motivated after such a deflating moment because the car was really really badly damaged. It didn't just have damage in the engine bay, there was damage inside the cockpit of the car. You know, it damaged the $12,000 windscreen. Can you believe that's how much they cost? 12000 That's how much they cost. I bet you don't get one of those free with every year with your car insurance, do you? They had all the parts. You know, Robbie Herod had a spare engine, obviously, that had to be taken out. They did a good job. They took it away. They washed it. But then the only part, one of the few parts they didn't have was a wiring harness. And uh, Supercarts themselves had a wiring harness, and they gave that. But... I know that Rob Herrods work guys the engine builder guys worked with um with the Tickford guys they worked all night they got it together and Cam was actually pretty impressive again during the races he didn't get that didn't get a great result but he was in there having a go and you know all credit to to Tim Edwards and um and the team at Tickford and those that helped him because at the end of the day he's a big family and everybody offered the support they did they could to get him on the track and uh They were done and dusted by about 5 or 6 o'clock in the morning, I think. So, yeah, they busted their asses to get it done.
2: And that was my concern, Bruce, was about spare parts, particularly the wiring loom. But then I sat down and I thought, well, everybody's got the same thing. So, you know, you just go and buy it off Walkinshaw or whatever, anybody who happened to have a spare wiring loom. So it's good to see that there's still a bit of of that camaraderie that created Gen 3 still going through the whole sport, which
1: is good. Yeah, well, the wiring harness was one issue. There was only one spare in the pit lane, but... Anyway, they got it done, and good on them. Again, Tickford, one of those teams, and, you know, BJR is another one, and they've all experienced it. Tremendous, buddy, you know, disasters, and yet they just keep fighting. And, uh, again, good on them, and um, let's hope that that's a lesson learned for everybody and we don't have to look at that sort of stuff again.
2: Yeah, beautiful. All right, so let's wrap up, Darwin. Pole positions to Cam Waters, Brock Feeney, Jack LeBrock. We had wins to Mark Winterbottom. Brock Feeney, and Jack LeBrock. And the championship has tightened up a little bit. So Brady Kostecki on 11.64, Will Brown 11.05, Brock Feeney 10.73, Shane Van Gisbergen 10.54, and the leader of the Mustang Cup is Chaz Mostard on 9.85, and that's as far as I'm going to go with this, except to say it's Andre Heimgartner, Cam Waters, Jack LeBrock, Will Davison, and David Reynolds. And that's it for supercars.
1: So we'll have a bit of a break now and come back. No, no, Andrew, I'm sorry. You've overlooked one thing. There was a significant thing happened in the history of Gen 3 at uh, Darwin. What was that? Do you want to know what it was? No, I do. Oh, Come actually, I think about it. Yes. It was the first wildcard. Ah, of course. Zane Goddard. Yes. So, super cheap um, autos ran Zane Goddard as part of their program with uh, with Lansy and, um, and uh, Zane for the rest of the year. So, Zane was up there and I... It was interesting. I actually spoke to the guys from Super Cheap and I thought, gee, you know, wh- why do you do this round? It's in the middle of nowhere. It's not the biggest population base. Uh, it's an expensive event to do. And he said, quite simply, it's free-to-air TV. It's one of the it's one of the, the events that has free-to-air ah. TV. And that's one of the main reasons they did it. Um, Zane did and a... how do you know it's free-to-air TV? Because there's Mark Beretta. <laughs> yeah. What was interesting was that uh, they did a good job. Zane was solid all weekend. You know, you got to remember this kid hasn't raced full time in his own car for best part of two years. Um, He was doing a good job. He was one of the guys that got badly damaged in the pit lane kerfuffle after Cam Waters. He was actually he was in a good spot, but he got hit up the bum so badly they had to make quite a long pit stop to um, pull all the back of the car out so he could keep racing. But again, you know, good good opportunity. Nice young kid. beautifully presented car and of course what was really fun about it was um it was um mar and down the end of the pit lane running the race <laughs> running the race team on the tools so we had jess and jamie in the uh, on the overalls um down with the team it was actually it was quite interesting i i spent a little bit of time down there because again you know very accessible they're excited about it you know they're down there at the end of the pit lane doing their own thing and wanted to have a chat to anybody that was interested so yeah, it was good. It's a funny old world, isn't it? Anyway, that's it for supercars. We'll come back in a minute with Formula One. I'm sorry, listeners, but um, look—if if you're not happy with the tone of the um, program, it has changed a little bit since uh, well, since Paul and I got involved. It's obviously far more interesting than what it was in the past, but it may not be as accurate and as um, technically accurate. And I, uh, one of the leading, well, one of the older members of the motorsport media, mentioned to me on the weekend that. Our podcast was probably not to everybody's taste, and I like, <laughs> Of course. Absolutely. Love us, hate us, don't ignore us. Formula One. Sorry, viewers, I've fallen into that trap again. If you're wondering why this program has been so disjointed, I'm in Charleville, and obviously the internet's not very good. I've been even more bullish and more interjectory than I normally would be because I've got no idea what everybody else is saying. <laughs> well,
2: I'm hoping that um, Charleville's not like Nashville for the NASCAR and that next week we're going to have the same sort of things.
1: But anyway. No, it didn't take long, No, it, long, didn't take, well, no, it did, took half You're the show. Taking...
2: Anyway, we'll get to that in a minute when we close out this show. Um, Formula One. I think Verstappen's led about 6,000 laps in a row
0: now, hasn't he? Is that, uh, that fair enough to say? He's, um... You know, the only thing I liked about that win on the weekend you know because they're all trumpeting the fact that you know he it's 200 wins for Red Bull 100 you know it's 100 wins for Adrian Newey that's fa- that's amazing like his his win record going back to Williams and also through McLaren and then at Red Bull the guy's just amazing and he was so um uh, big mouth ted was interviewing him at the end of the live show and it was just great to hear this humble bloke talking about oh well yes I've been very lucky and I like doing what I'm doing. And then, and then, of course, Jensen Button also on the telecast saying he realised what a genius the bloke was when he turned up to drive his E-Type Jaguar at a historic meeting and it was two seconds faster than all the other E-Type Jaguars.
2: Uh, so what I thought was interesting was that Verstappen was driving hard enough to actually go off the track, which was a bit silly when you're um, that far out in front and... Uh, and he hit a bird, which apparently was left inside the car when it came back in. So it wasn't all that easy for him,
1: even though it looked it, I think. Um, you didn't get to watch much of it, though, did you, Bruce? It was interesting that I noticed that uh, the two McLarens performed well in the, uh, in the wet, as I suspected. Yes, but they didn't perform so well in the race. But uh, Oscar, Oscar managed to finish in front of Lando.
2: Well, and the other interesting thing for me from the race was um, obviously Alonso um, coming in second, but he had a fuel problem, they said, but now they've said there wasn't a fuel problem and that they were making him coast to uh, coast and, and cruise behind. And uh, I wonder if he had enough in tow to actually challenge Verstappen, who clearly wasn't having as easy run as we thought. What are your thoughts on that one, PG?
0: Uh, uh, I think they, they, thought, they obviously thought they had a fuel problem. Um, he knows now that he's got a car that's close enough um, I, I want to see it going forward, you know. The, did you see that the, they were interviewing him and he slapped the other bloke on the shoulder? Like, let's get to the next one. Ha, ha, ha. I think it's just, it's fantastic. The bloke is, he is the best thing about, form. He's, I, for me, he's overtaken Gunter <laughs> Steiner as the best thing in Formula One this year. He's certainly having
2: a, having a ball, isn't he? But he's giving us something, something good to write about and to talk about as well. It's, a, it's great to see the old bloke on a resurgence, I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely, and and he doesn't seem all that old, you know, um, and and just the way he's interacting with the other drivers and the other people around the place, he is completely reborn. This is probably the uh, the Fernando Alonso that that's been at home for the last however many years, um, but never turned up on the racetrack. <laughs> yeah,
2: and speaking of other old blokes who are being reborn, Lewis Hamilton seems to be enjoying the uh, updates on his car, I reckon, and uh, they're getting closer. Can they catch Red Bull at some stage this year?
1: What's interesting is uh, he's given George a bit of a shake up as well. Uh, That's interesting. You know, George was, was, and I love George, I think he's fantastic. But the old bloke, you know, Lewis, everybody says he's not signed up, he hasn't got a drive. What's he going to do? He is still quite a remarkable driver.
0: But from his point of view, you know, like, what's he going to do for next year? Oh, go to Ferrari. Uh, No, I don't think so. (laughs) <laughs> well, you have a look at Ferrari, you wouldn't be going there, would you? I mean, you have to have blocks no. in your head. Yeah, exactly, you know. And, and both of their drivers are, are clearly battling all sorts of internal demons, you know, and blaming the team for this and blaming each other for that. It's just turned into another Ferrari shit fight.
1: So you reckon Leclerc will stay Ferrari?
0: Well, the thing about it is, um, where else is he going to go? Like, you don't try and slide down the grid, although Sergio Perez is probably not going to have much choice at the end of this year. But um, if you're already at Ferrari, you just got to, well, I mean, Vettel hung around. How long was Vettel there for in the hope that they would get the car right? Um, you get paid a whole lot of money. You're a national superstar. Actually, when I was at uh, Maranello uh, last week with Ferrari, was that, I noticed was that recently,
1: in- I noticed you had a Ferrari hat on before. Was that? Was that a? I actually paid for that hat. That would have been about the only time you put your hand in your pocket. We, In fact, we waxed lyrically about the fact that what a waste it was that a bloke like you that doesn't drink was at Le Mans when Ferrari won won the race. Imagine if Big Hair and uh, Andrew and I and a few of our friends had been there when the Prosecco and the champagne and the all the other stuff had been flowing. Wasted on you.
0: Yeah, it is sad, but the good thing about that is
1: I do get my work done. <laughs> I thought one of the
2: stars of the weekend was Alexander, Alexander Albon. Um, um, that, that qualifying run they did when they got him on the right tyres, but he's actually matched up in the race. Seventh place is pretty good for Williams, I reckon.
1: Albon is a star all the time. He, he, he's he's actually another one of my favourites. I know that my favourites list is pretty big, but there's no bullshit with him. He's he's a bit like George was when he was at Williams, you know. He extracts more out of the car than, than their teammates. He's he's a genuine enthusiast and don't forget he's still contracted to Red Bull everybody. So at some stage down the track if as you suggest that Perez evaporates out of there, which I don't think he will. You know, he could still end up there, but Alex is a, is a favorite in the in the uh, Formula 1 world. He's very popular amongst the team owners. He's a really engaging young guy and he's a very very good racer and that was a you know there is an example of him performing above what that car's capable of delivering.
2: Hmm. All right, so let's wrap this one up as well. We've got Max Verstappen, Fernando Alonso, Lewis Hamilton on the podium, Uh, Charles Leclerc, Charles Sainz, Sergio Perez, Alex Albon, your good mate, Esteban Ocon, Lance Stroll, and then Valtteri Bottas with our man Oscar Piastri in 11th. So uh, not a bad weekend for Oscar, but just uh, just touching on the edge of the points and a bit of a rough
1: race, I thought, at times. Yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, he had a few... A-graders starting behind him. He qualified ninth or 10th uh, or whatever it was after a yeah. little spin on the intermediates. And let's not forget, viewers, that's the first time he's actually crashed an F1 car in his career. And yeah. it was a parking accident. It wasn't even really a crash. It was just a, <laughs> just a parking accident. And he had some pretty heavy, heavy hitters behind him. So he really only dropped a couple of spots. And he finished in front of Lando. And um, he continues to gain experience and uh, keep doing the job. So good on him.
2: And so the championship for Stappen is uh, 195 points ahead of Perez on 126 points. Very soon he's going to be double it, I reckon. Alonso, Hamilton, Sainz, Russell, Leclerc, Stroll, Ocon and Gasly round out the top 10. And if we go all the way down to the bottom, there is only two drivers without points, Nick DeVries and Sargent from the USA. So uh, about time those two rookies picked up their activate, I reckon. All right, well, that's it for this episode of the Rev Limiter. Um, uh, PG, thanks for your time. Nice of you to come back from um, Le Mans for us or, you know, on that little little thing.
0: Yeah, it's called a jaunt. Yeah, a jaunt. A a jaunt. Mate, it was fantastic. And uh, given a choice between uh, Le Mans and uh, Super Duper Cars in uh, Darwin, I'll take Le Mans every time. Yes, well, I think Bruce is um,
2: hoping, wishing he was on a junket as his plane struggles to make it back to Melbourne.
1: <laughs> no, the plane's not struggling. It's a beautiful plane. And we'll, we'll be back in time for... A next deadline. Don't you worry about that.
2: Well, that's all that matters, isn't it? The deadline's the only thing that matters because we've got to put together another water action for you next week um, which you'll be doing with me overseas in Nashville, so I'm off tomorrow and uh, we'll uh, try and coordinate our time zones to make sure we get this podcast done next week.
1: Sorry, Andrew, Barry, mate, don't, please don't go searching on YouTube. It's a podcast, mate. There's no visuals. So, um, just rest easy in that regard. And thank you, everybody, for paying attention
2: yes exactly find us anywhere that they do podcasts uh and don't forget to give us something so go in and give us a comment tell us what you think of us anyway that's it for this episode we'll uh, talk to you again next week see ya
3: Each week, find out what the men behind the V8 news know and what the drivers and teams are going to do next. It's interviews and opinions on Inside Supercars. My predecessor, Roland Dane, did a very, very good job. We're no longer shareholders of the build at business. Personally, I think a 500 and the build-up to the 1,000 is, is a good thing. Tune in for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.